ladies, this is Jessica Iterole. And I'm Barbara Saunders Livingston. And we want to welcome you to the Seeking Holy Podcast. A podcast for women seeking Christ in a challenging world. As you listen, we hope you'll be encouraged to open God's Word to seek Him and strengthen your abiding relationship with Christ. Whether you find yourself with plenty of time or not enough time, pour yourself a cup of coffee, grab your Bible, and join us for Seeking Holy. It's important to differentiate and define both what is forgiveness and what is trust. So I spoke about when I forgave both my abuser and my father. However, what did that mean? What was involved in the act of forgiving exactly? One, we know forgiveness is about letting go of anger, letting go of bitterness, and in some cases, retaliation or wanting to repay that hurt. And two, forgiveness is also about relinquishing our emotions and trusting in the sovereignty of God, believing that regardless of what others have done to us, His purpose will be fulfilled in our lives. Last week, when we were talking about faith, we spoke about how God will use your suffering to exalt Himself and that everything has a perfect plan. He does turn all things for good for those who love Him. A great example of this is Joseph in Genesis 50, 20, who said, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. We never, ever, ever, ever can know, at least not on this side of heaven, how all our challenges, our sufferings, our blessings, etc., All of this has molded us into who we are, exactly as we are, and how we are fulfilling God's purpose. May we hold fast to that and trust Him. Do we believe His Word? We must be anchored in that. Is God who He says He is? We must know and be anchored in it, and then we must live it. Okay, so to properly answer the question, how do we forgive someone who we cannot trust? Let's look at the definition of trust. Merriam-Webster describes trust as assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something. Also, as one in which confidence is placed. Hmm. So we have a very different outcome of action for trusting someone. To trust them, according to definition, we are placing our assured, it says assured reliance on a person by evidence, hopefully if we're wise, we are going by evidence of one's character, a strength or truth about them. We're vetting them in full confidence. Now, sadly, there are some people that if we took a step back and assessed the situation logically, we could not, by the definition, trust them. However, we can forgive them and we can let go of anger and bitterness and say, I choose to move on, but I will not place myself in danger or folly of them again. Trust is earned. Therefore, let us be quick to forgive and slow to trust. Contrastingly, by definition, there is one who we can always place our trust in, Christ himself. Psalm 9.10 says, Those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. 
Psalm 31, 14 says, but I trust in you, Lord. I say you are my God. Lots of Psalms here. I just love the Psalms. Uh, 56, 3 says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Psalms 118, 8. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Mm, amen on that. Psalm 84, 12. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. And one more. It's not a psalm, though. It's Isaiah 12, 2. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. Hallelujah. He is worthy. Now back to our original question regarding forgiveness and trust. We realize that forgiving someone does not mean that you should automatically trust them, nor does it mean that that offense they commit is okay. You know, I have this thing about saying it's okay when my children offend one another. I have three boys and I'll tell you, any of you who have a boy, been around boys, maybe you have brothers, you have sons, you know, there are going to be lots of offenses. <laughs> and when they offend one another, whether it be words, actions, or, you know, come on, they're boys. So a Lego, a pillow, a ball, a foot, I don't know. Um, anyway, I don't personally like it when, when, okay, when they were little, after offending their brother with whatever thing, they apologize and the other child to reply with, it's okay. Because sometimes what has been done is not okay. Sometimes there are acts committed that we absolutely cannot condone or ignore that it was wrong. However, we can reply with, I forgive you. And that is exactly what God has done for us. Romans 5, 8 says, but God commandeth his love towards us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And therefore, we have an awesome opportunity to demonstrate God's love in a realistic way. We were sinners, dead in our trespasses, ignoring and rebelling against God. And yet he stepped into our lives, commanded and led with his divine providence over us and knowing us before we were even formed in the womb, knowing the sins we would commit. He died for us so that we would one day repent of our sin, take up our cross and pursue Jesus. What a story. And how then if I, who deserve death for my sin, I am not sinless on my own. How can I withhold mercy from another? Yet, I have found that sometimes trust is earned back. And there are times there's situations where it is not. In the case of the latter, uh, we must seek to find ways to move forward without bitterness or vengeance, without playing a part of, of the game in doing what they do, if it is back and forth banter, to not play into their games. I know we hear a lot about uh, narcissism and, and uh, sociopaths. And I know that has really gotten a lot of attention lately. And again, I want to be very careful in, in discussing this area because I think sometimes people jump quickly to label someone that they find difficult as, oh, that is a narcissistic person. That person is, by this definition, they are a sociopath. And in some cases, that's true. In some cases, yes, they may be gaslighting you, but we have to take this filter 
through of ourselves with God. What is our role in this? Lord, help me to do my part that honors you and help me to create boundaries uh, and and to protect myself and to always, we must always be protecting our testimony of Christ as well. So, hmm, okay. In many cases, it's wise to love someone from a distance, and we can do that. And if a person is toxic and narcissistic, and there is a difference of levels of unhealthy relationships, but we have to be careful that we don't just go around calling every impossible person a gaslighting narcissist. They do exist. And if a person is dangerous, ultimately, If there's no evidence of repentance in them and there's an evidence cycle, a pattern of abuse, it's likely that firm boundaries must be set for distancing. So when it comes to distancing, especially family members, or sadly, sometimes this happens with those we love or those who we love, love, there's going to be some element of guilt. And may I remind all of us that there is no greater love, no greater intervention There is no greater act we can do for a person than to intercede to our Lord on their behalf. And it doesn't happen overnight, but we can rest in our obedience to forgive, hand it over to God and trust him to aid us in setting those boundaries and still communicating love. With some people, you're going to get pushback that what you're doing is not actually loving them, but This is where being anchored in God's word, having that regular walk with him as you pray to him, as you pray for this person, whether you have hope in that person or not, that's not the point. It's this obedience of praying for them. God will give you peace that you can walk through that, even if you've got situations where they're communicating or uh, some of the worst situations to be in is where they're communicating with other people and giving a false sense of of you being this bitter, nasty person uh, because you won't do what they want to do and you're choosing to love them in a way that they are not understanding. We have to anchor ourselves in Christ in that daily close abiding with Christ to give us the confidence to walk through that. And that is that whole concept. Think of in Exodus where the Israelites were were walking, they were following the pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. They might be going over treacherous ground, but their eyes are fixed on that. In our case, our eyes are fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And this applies to so many areas of our life that if we just fix our eyes on Jesus, he'll lead us through even the treacherous wilderness, through the worst of storms. We'll get through. Everything is about fixing our eyes on him and abiding with him. And a part of that is knowing him, knowing the author of the Bible. Stick around. We'll be right back. If everyone is called to make and multiply disciples, everyone should be trained. Hi, my name is Mark Gearing, and you can find us at Multiplying Disciples on YouTube. And we put together some of the best tools we could find to help anybody get started in making disciples and help their disciples make disciples. So we would love to help you get started to reach those right around you and help you train them to multiply and reach the nations. Okay, so 
Without getting into detail, because Barbara and I have established that we need to address some of these personal details carefully, there is a delicate balance in sharing openly and still treated our loved ones with honor and respect. And needless to say, I'm not able to have a relationship with my father where I can uh, be around him or communicate with him often even. And that's hard. It's hard to grieve that reality. But I've had to come to terms that it's necessary for myself and for my family's safety. However, it is my responsibility to love him as a valuable life to God and to pray for his salvation. And I do this because it is my love and gratitude for Christ and what he did for me. And that it's available to all people, which drives me. The fact that God loved me and like me enough I have history and evidence of his working in my life. And for what? I certainly wasn't always walking in truth and asking God to lead me. But in his grace and in his mercy, he brought me to him and now calls me to forgive and love all others, regardless of who they are and who they are not, regardless of their motives, of their agenda or whatever. My trust belongs to God. Okay, with that being said, I'm going to throw a, a few scriptures on forgiveness at you again, just continuing this theme. It's so important that we tie this into what the Lord is saying in his word. So Proverbs 10, 12 says, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. Amen. Aren't you glad that love covers all offenses? I'm glad my offenses are covered up because they have been many. Luke 6, 27 says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those that hate you. Now, some of you may say, I don't have any enemies. Well, praise God. And we here is something that we can learn even in the scripture, whether we feel that we have enemies or we don't. Some of you are thinking of somebody right now. See, now you definitely are. But the whole concept is we love them anyway. Do good to those who hate you. Does that mean be a fake person? Be two-faced? Absolutely not. And sometimes it is all about being from a distance and choosing to not um, involve ourselves with whatever drama or whatever you want to label it to what's going on. But I tell you what, our battles are fault in prayer and our prayers can do things that we can't and it can go where we can't. Amen. Uh, Matthew 5, says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Amen. We think of that in our day-to-day -day life here in these situations. I think of astounding accounts of persecuted Christians, because the word persecution is here, uh, who are doing that. And that it is that phenomenon, them praying for, for the people who are beating them, who have killed their families. It is a phenomenon that the whole world marvels and takes a step back and say, whoa, this is radically different. And that whole message is exactly what Christ came to do, did do, and still calls us to share through the gospel every day. Romans 12, 17 says, repay no evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Luke 17, 3, 4 says, pay attention to yourself. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. 
So here we see demonstrated again, this act of forgiving. And again, I'll reiterate forgiveness and trust is different. Please take that to the Lord. Proverbs 17, 9, whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. In this is wisdom when dealing with someone, when you're seeking out, are they repentant or in a sense of earning your trust back? Okay. Are they covering an offense in the long term? Are they repeating a matter over and over to keep you at a very meek state? Uh, we need wisdom that only the Lord can give us as we watch and we pray for them. And ironically, I found that while I've been able to forgive the ones who committed great offenses to me, I've mentioned this a little over a year ago, the Lord exposed a great weakness in me, um, a tendency to hold grudges, to hold a grudge towards others that created a far, far less act of offense, whether known or they had no idea that they did this whatsoever. And I have had to repent of this. Uh, I would say more than once and make a point to put myself in check. What sense would it make for me to forgive these great big offenses and hold on to these petty little things? Lord, I need your eyes and your mercy. You give to all who ask in ample supply. Amen. One of the sticking points to not forgive someone is the fact that our hurt is justified, whether small or great, by worldly standards, we're validated to hold on to our hurt and withhold forgiveness from someone else. Okay, so this is a case where we, myself, Jessica, must filter ourselves. Okay, we can ask ourselves, are we justified to be upset? Yes. Is our hurt validated? Oh, yes, absolutely. Does the other person deserve some sort of punishment for what they did or calling out? Probably. Should you be the one to act on it? No. Of course, if a crime or danger is in risk of or has been committed, we should report it. I'm not talking about that. But as far as anything else, there is the difference. Should I be the one to act on it? Should I be the one to execute what they deserve or the punishment or the calling out? No. Although I'm justified to be upset. My hurt is validated. Should I be the one to act on it? No. And the evidence is all in the scriptures that I just gave. And therein lies the difference for the Christian woman and the Christian in general, because in our pursuit to follow Christ and to be holy as he is holy, we must lay aside our hurt and produce the fruit of the spirit, long suffering. Here's another quote from gotquestions.org, what they say of biblical long suffering. Again, I can't say this better myself. So this just works out. It says it has been said that long suffering means suffering long. And that is a good answer, but a better definition is needed. The word long suffering in the Bible is made up of two Greek words, meaning long and temper, literally long tempered. To be long suffering then is to have self restraint when one is stirred to anger. A long suffering person does not immediately retaliate or punish. Rather, he has a long fuse and patiently forbears. Long-suffering is associated with mercy. 1 Peter 3.20 Mercy of God patiently waiting when the ark was being prepared in the days of Noah. It's a great example. And hope of 1 Thessalonians 1.3 Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. 
long-suffering. It does not surrender to circumstances or succumb to trial. And I know often we pray for patience. That's a tough one because we all know, any of us who have prayed for patience, we know that God just doesn't say, all right, now you have patience. Um, He places things in our path. Uh, Last week, we spoke about mountains, that God places some of those mountains there for us to seek him, that he changed the circumstance or he changes us through the circumstances. And therefore, one way or another, the mountains move as we pursue him. So we have patience. But the other one, one of the other ones is difficult to work out is long suffering. Whether we have great wrongs that have impacted the course of our life or petty wrongs that vex us like a wasping, the concept is the same. Forgive others as we have been forgiven. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And that is the central thing that... Um, I'm hoping with the Lord's help to get across when we speak about forgiveness. So coming up next, I'm going to adjust the sails a bit. I'm going to speak about uh, moving forward in my life, a time I spent angry at God, learning and living out that you cannot serve two masters. I'd love to say that everything was hunky-dory from then, but there was still a lot to be worked out in me. And uh, I'm thankful for God's grace and His mercy. And uh, furthermore, even if we were to, to take and stick with the theme of forgiveness, you know, all again, it's the forgiveness of God over me, over us. It's, it astounds me. Praise God for that. And we will see you then. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe so you can be notified when new episodes are released. Also, please feel free to rate and review our podcast and share it with all your friends. Thank you for spending your time with us. We hope you're leaving with a deepening fascination to fellowship with the one who has created you for his purpose and desires to show you more of his goodness every day.